This is an SM Media production. Hi folks and welcome to the latest episode of Chronicle the Rangers Journey right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPike, it's an absolute pleasure to be your host on the show as always. We are now at the stage in the summer of 2003, we're going to talk about the second half of the reign of Alex McLeish as Rangers manager. A period that is as up and down as you can get. There's real highs, obviously a famous day involving a helicopter, but there is some real lows in that period as well. To join me in this part of the journey, I'm delighted to welcome from the iBooks Channel podcast, Andrew Simpson. Andrew, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's uh, it's always good to talk about Rangers uh, with like-minded people. So, yeah, going to enjoy it. It's going to be an interesting one because I don't think we've done a show like this on the channel that is as up, down, as down, up, then down again as this <laughs> one. It is, it's got everything in it. Every emotion I think you feel in this whole journey, I think, can be summarised in one episode here. Oh, it's crazy, wasn't it? it would, I've never seen a, a seesaw seesaw like that, really, have you? <laughs> no, you haven't. And that's the problem with this thing, is that you've got, you're coming off a momentous season, five out of six trophies were under Alex McLeish. It should have been rosy. We spoke about it in the last episode, that the, the hanging situation and the finances are becoming clear. Rangers are not in a good place off the park and coming off a domestic treble, what was the feeling at the time? Was the finances in the back of your mind, like desperate to get out, but it was more a case of where Rangers are winning on the park. Let's just ignore what's going on here. And I think a lot of fans did, maybe not, maybe not with the, the benefit of hindsight this, because that this is, I mean, doing the research and a thing like this, you you go back and look at old newspaper articles and the numbers were there as plain as day. And yeah. is it a case of, and what I think at the time, I mean, I was only seven, eight-year-old at the time, so I wasn't up to date with the, the financial situation. But when you're looking at numbers at like 62 million for a bank debt for a Scottish football club, how are you going to trade out of that? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? You know, especially like you say, coming off the back of winning the treble, uh, Lenzo Amoruso bowed out with, um, you know, scoring the winning goal in the Scottish Cup final. Everything looked rosy in the garden, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I was around 15, 16 at the time when um, coming into this season. Uh, it was back in the day, you know, when you used to buy the Rangers news and yeah. you'd always be really into it. I remember going to, a, uh, they did like a training day at Ibrox. And you got this little fact and figures brochure, I'm sure. And there was just this bit at the bottom, which just was like, it just showed the kind of debt and stuff. And really, when you're that age, you don't really take it in, but you go, oh, that's a lot. But I think, like you say, a lot of people did bury their head in the sands and go, I will be fine. We're Rangers, you know. Um, But looking at them finances, even now, you know, in football, that's a lot of money, Um, especially for then when... You know, we would only pay around about a million for a transfer if it was a, a decent transfer, wouldn't yeah. we? So, and it's the, yeah, the, the massively reduced income levels as well. You don't have that TV deal. This is the this is the time the BBC deal was half of what the Sky deal is. You've got the 
the English clubs dwarfing Rangers now in terms of wages and things like that. Like the income's so low, but again the expenditure's so high. And basically, David Murray had decided he didn't want to be associated with cost cutting. We spoke about that last week in depth. John McClellan was in as chairman, and he had to make some big decisions. And I, I think John McClellan gets an unfair rap. I don't think he's, I don't think he done anything to save Rangers, but I think he certainly kind of stopped the pain for a wee while because he had to come in and make make drastic cuts. And obviously, on the park was probably the first. The wage bill at this point is ridiculously high. <laughs> Rangers, though. They had to make some big decisions, and we'll start with a few players that that had to leave. Basically, Arthur Newman, obviously the first signing of that Advocat era, he was offered a new contract, but it was eighty percent less of his previous terms. Now, the fact that Newman retired suggests to me that I think Newman would have probably stayed if he'd get some form. I think he would have took a cut, but eighty percent—you're not asking anybody to take an eighty percent wage cut and expect them to say that was. And it's a lack of loyalty as well because you've got all Amarusso's another one, McCann, we'll touch on Ferguson in a wee second, but you've got these players who have been so successful for Rangers and you're basically saying, we're forgetting about loyalty, we're giving you reduced terms, just hope you take it. Where's the loyalty there? Yeah, no, I, I agree, I agree. It, it's a it's a frustrating one, isn't it, when you look at football sometimes because um, in a sense for footballers, even though there is loyalty to a degree, it is a job, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if anybody in any job, uh, you know, especially after winning a treble where you've had a decent season, you've met, so so to speak, your KPIs, your targets, yeah. and you're told, oh, you can stay, only 80% less, you know. I know they probably were privy to a bit more information in regards to the financial situation, but um, I imagine a lot of agents probably would have said, no, maybe you can get a better yeah. deal somewhere else. Um, like you say with Newman, he, he just retired after that, didn't he? He was and only, what, weird, 33, yeah. was it? 33, yeah. Mm. Kennedy obviously got offered crazy money to go to Qatar. <laughs> Amoruso, the well, Amoruso one's interesting because Amoruso was desperate to, say, to stay. I think that was the reason he was still there. He was obviously an advocate. I was trying to push him out the door. I think he developed a really good relationship with Alec McLeish. But to the point that when McLeish and Amoruso were talking about the the contract the contract renewal that was obviously going to be significantly less wages, McLeish took off his manager hat and went as a friend, take the deal, take the deal from Blackburn. You're, do you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. It's sad because you look at these players and you think about a really successful time, but as well as that, it's you're asking players to take such a significant cut, and even mm. the manager, who I imagine would be desperate to keep Alan, uh, Lorenzo Amoruso, especially after who he brings in, and he's, <laughs> yeah. telling, him, he's yeah. telling him to take a, a better deal because of a friendship he's got. It's not about that's you're asking people to choose between money and like their futures. There's only one winner. You have to think of the the long term. Not you could the situation see at the club. Yeah, you could see how Amoruso felt in that, that Scottish Cup final v Dundee. Yeah, you know, absolute yeah. streaming tears at the end of the game. Um, you know, we haven't really seen a defender like him. Um, in that respect, you know, it's it was sad, and of course, you know, at the time it was uh, Blackburn Rangers, wasn't it? You know, mm-hmm. um, with which players heading down there. But yeah, I guess that was one of the big symbols of the change that was happening at the club. You know, we were kind of leaving that 90s period where we had nine in a row, where we had, you know, just success after success. And, you know, at this point as well, you know, that 
you know them across the other end of the city had spent a lot of money a lot of money and you know trying to level up with murray's you know kind of for every five pound they'll spend we'll spend 10 and you know it was looking worrying uh, in some respects but going into this season i was pretty confident you know being 15 16 you know i thought oh you know you know we've got, we've got a crack at the champions league you know hopefully we can get there because europe was something we would just couldn't really do much with over the past couple of years there could we but yeah, yeah. losing amaruso was a big one that was that was a sad one yeah and obviously the big the big saga of the summer was the barry ferguson situation oh, yeah Fer- ferguson's performances in the last 18 months i mean he was he deserved that opportunity to go to the the premier league but blackburn now i know the soonest factor which i've i've heard people say like he wanted to work with soonest and fair enough but the problem with this is, is that Ferguson had that loyalty thing as well. Ferguson felt he was getting shoved out the door, which he was. Murray was desperate to get the money in. Now, the problem with this one is Barry Ferguson was a super player in that 18 months. That 18 months since McLeish came in, he took, he took hold of that team. He was unbelievable. Drove Rangers forward. He was so impressive in those 18 months. But the problem you've got with this is, is that for £8.5 million, pounds, Yes, it's a good transfer fee, but David Murray's shoving him out the door. That's the lo- the loyalty thing I spoke about with Newman and Amaru. So you're, lo- you're looking at this team and thinking that like there's so many players in there who deserve loyalty, who deserve a, a swan song. Ferguson's only, what, 25 at this point? Yeah. Barry Ferguson should be... And I'm not... Def- Barry Ferguson does a lot of things wrong later on in mm. life, but at this point, Barry Ferguson should not be getting shoved out the door. It should either be a bidding war or... yeah. Barry Ferguson should not be handing in a transfer request. And if that was the problem. That was the problem. There was no loyalty there. It was just about get the money in. And David Murray's not even involved in the club at this point. He's an honorary chairman. He's obviously making decisions, but he's shoving his captain out the door to get money in. That shows you how dreek this situation is, even then. Yeah, Ferguson, uh, you know, we, we look back at that 2 3 season and the amount of goals he was banging in just about every other game for a midfielder was just astronomical. He was the heartbeat of the team. And, you know, he was, you know, for such a young age as well, being a captain, you know, he was just he was just brilliant. He was a, a great all-round player. And you're correcting what you're saying, you know, there should have been a bidding war for him. But it was a very, it was the whole summer it, it raged on for... Ferguson's going, is he not going? He's not happy. And and then that was it, gone. Um, and it was, it's like you rip out, you know, especially you lost Amaruso, you've lost the captain now. Um, so obviously the it was uh Craig Moore stepped up uh to be captain, uh, who was missing most of the season with injury, I think, in yeah. and out, in and out. Um, that didn't help either. Um, but you know, when you lose somebody of that age, um, at the the peak of their football and ability. You know, you've got to have an adequate replacement lined up, and we just wanted in that situation to do that. Yeah, and when you look at the players leaving, Newman, Amaruso, McCann, Ferguson, the players that come in, and no disrespect to them, Nuno Capuccio, Emerson, Paolo Vinoli, Egil Ostenstad. Now, the big difference there is, is that Barry Ferguson's at his peak of his career. Amaruso and Newman were getting to the kind of later stages of their career, but they still had enough in them to show they'd showed it the season before that they could still do it there's a reason you're getting Emerson Paolo Vinoli Edgar Austin starting free transfers and Nuno Capuccio for 700,000 now really good players back in their day they are past it they are and it's 
this raking around the bargain bin that Alec McLeish would become famous for, unfairly because he was obviously he couldn't help the situation he was dealt. But how how do you go from that to that in the space of a summer? Do you know what I mean? And it's I know cost cutting and things like that, and fair enough, but you can't expect the same results on the park. You just can't. I totally agree. Um, I think we brought in around eleven players that summer as well, and we didn't. I think we only spent just under a million yeah. <laughs> on that. Um, so we really were raiding. Uh, you know, we, we were looking at clubs. You know, we getting. I think like because uh, Namucci came in. Um, Namucci, Gavin I think Ray from France. Yeah, Gavin Ray from Dundee, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, who actually did have something about him? But yeah, I, I, Gavin Ray is a good. Gavin Ray is a good player, right? Mm. Really nice guy, lovely guy, but. Barry replacing Barry Ferguson with Gavin Ray, no disrespect. It's just not the same, and it's yeah. it's a shame. It's just bad. It's just bad, bad, and it speaks. It just speaks to how bad this situation is. Like, what? I remember when I heard we were signing Emerson. I went, really? <laughs> I didn't realize it wasn't that Emerson, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was, don't get me wrong, still pretty confident. You think, oh, you know, new team getting put together, you know, we'll see what we can do because over the other end of the city, they did look a bit like they were not necessarily aging, but, you know, they, they had been together a few seasons. Um, they, you know, obviously they still had Larson, who, you know, we didn't have anything to match that really, did we? Um, but, yeah, you look at the players we lost that summer and, you know, bar Barry Ferguson, I think we only got about, was it 1.5 for Neil McCann, 1.4 yeah, summer or so? Yeah. And then everything else was just, there was either no fee or just there's no nothing available. Um, so it's not as if we even raked a lot of money back bar Ferguson, um, especially with the situation at the time, really, wasn't it? it yeah. Scary times in hindsight, very scary times. Especially yeah. when we knew what happened. And this season as a whole is probably the season we'll spend the least amount of time on in this series because there is nothing that happens that's any... Any note. They obviously qualify for Champions League a big one over Stuttgart, but it just becomes a disaster after that. It's just a it's just a horrible season, isn't it? There's just so many bad results. The mm. only really decent thing is probably the signing of Frank De Boer. Like, yeah. It was obviously a swan song like Ronald De Boer was leaving, Moles was leaving. It was kind of Frank it was always a thing when was Frank coming when Ronald was there. There was only kind of high point of that season wasn't it and he was he was obviously yeah. still a really good player but we well we did start the season quite well you know yeah. uh, a few thrashings and then and it wasn't until the old from game um where we lost one nil to um i always remember it's hearts and scoring but actually looking back it was it's gone down as an og deflection yeah it comes off um, really, yeah. yeah um yeah. and just after that <coughs> anytime we did win a game it was one nil two one we looked very flat. We looked, There was no inspiration. Don't get me wrong, we started the Champions League fairly well. I remember Panathinaikos. I remember we were winning until the last few minutes. Then, obviously, we got the draw, which is still a great result, you know, in the Champions League. But then it was really downhill after the Stuttgart win, which put us in a good position. Um, we just went off a cliff. We played well against Man U. I always remember the Battle of Britain. I remember buying a flag uh, yeah, that um, year. Yeah. I've, the got champion- a, I've got a weird story about that game. Actually. Oh, have you? Go games, for it. Yeah, well, the first... The first game, if you seem to remember, it was I. The first game was the Ibrox Phil Neville That's scored. Right. There was a yeah Phil Neville of everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a load of casuals coming down, and I, one one of them came up to me, and I'll not say what he said, but it was reported the next day they were from Manchester. They broad Aberdeen accents. Ah, I always found that up. fascinating. But the yeah. second leg, we went down to Old Trafford, and 
I was a Man United member at the time. My mum loved the Trafford Centre. So I went down to, we used to go, I'm not a Man United fan, but I used to love going down to Old Trafford and my mum would obviously go shopping, me and my dad would go to a game. We ended up getting tickets for the away leg. Oh, no. Nice. Man United end, right? And obviously I had to pretend. Obviously, yeah. That <laughs> but there was a fascinating, there was a woman asked me from the seat below, she, I was only about six or seven, and she says, uh, are you getting tucked into your Fred the Red? Uh bedspread tonight <laughs> my bedroom at the time is as rangers as you can get and it's just that weird thing of like you look back that's my memories of that because that was the only time i think i've ever seen cristiano ronaldo live and it was very raw at that point and mm. you just look at memories like that and you just remember how poor rangers were that night man united that isn't a vintage man united team but man united just wiped the floor with rangers that night Both i think that's like from what I remember of the game, so I remember watching it uh, on the telly, I think there was one chance for Loving Kranz and it was wide. Yeah. Uh, I think that was it. Um, we were outclassed, everything. Um, obviously, saw Walter Smith. I remember watching the opening because I, I used to record the games. on. Uh, I had a DVD recorder mm-hmm. then, which is mad. Yeah. I used to record the games and I just always remember seeing Walter Smith um, with Fergie, uh, which was quite nice to see. But um, yeah, Ronaldo... It wasn't the finished article there, but all I remember in that game, he was just so fast. Mm-hmm. It was all about him and his stepovers, wasn't it? But <laughs> it was unfortunate. Um, we just we just weren't up to that. We weren't up to their standards. And yeah, it was all downhill from there. It was great to get into the Champions League yeah. because, uh, you know, it was we took it for granted sometimes a little bit, I think. Um, and especially, I think both clubs were in the Champions League as well in Scotland, which yeah, kind of made right, it. Yeah. And you just don't really see that either. Um but yeah, that season just, oh, it was just such a frustrating one. There was just nothing. It was the whitewashes with the old firm games. Um, they were just so frustrating. You know, it was just, you just knew you were in for a hide. And I always remember the last game uh, was at Celtic Park and we were holding on. It was nil-nil. Um, but actually we were kind of in the game. It was, we were quite, we looked fairly strong. Um, but then last minute, Sutton. And it was just, that summed yeah. up our whole season, you know, in a, double digits behind them and it was just atrocious it was atrocious it was an atrocious season Rangers finished second no cup no cops out in the semi-final with the league cup to Hibs and penalties oh, and then... I remember watching that on Channel 5 I yeah, used, to, that, right. used to show that on Channel 5 yeah. I just remember going it was Livy in the final just beat yeah, Hibs that's right, it, yeah. you know it's yeah. Livy just beat them nope nope we couldn't even do that couldn't even just yeah. that was almost it felt like a guaranteed cup nope didn't happen just a disastrous season even Dobby yeah, Stephen Dobby, yeah, going back to Haunt Rangers. <laughs> but the summer of 2004, obviously we spoke about Moles and De Boer leaving as well, two legends who I think it's not been said enough just how important they were to that Rangers team. But Rangers sell Mikel Arteta. Now, I am not, never have been a good negotiator. But you sign a player like Mikel Arteta for £6.5 million. Pounds. Now, Andrew, is it fair to say that Mikel Arteta improved? And his three years, I Yeah, definitely. Right. Um, obviously, uh, the O3 04 was a bit of a write off, but you know that you can put that down to one player. But um, he, he was fantastic. I always it remember was, his debut yeah. against Celtic. Obviously, it was a bit of a lucky goal, but he loved it. He, he really got in with the atmosphere. Um, it was a bit weird over that transfer, I'll be honest. I always remember the whole Holdick and uh, going back to was it Sociedad he went to, and yeah. then six months later, was it Everton? <laughs> He came over to England, so it was a bit of a weird one. But yeah, six billion—that's a hell of an outlay for a club like us. Um, yeah, 
You sell him for you sell him for three million now. He claimed he was homesick, and as you've just pointed out, he goes to Sociedad, and six months later he goes to Everton. So he's not really homesick. But to sign a player for six million pounds from Barcelona to sell for three million pounds two years after after him improving at such a good rate. If you want a phrase, Martin Bain is negotiating the, the contracts at the club at that point. If you want a situation of how desperate the club are for money, this is it. This is the worst negotiating I think I've ever seen from Rangers Football Club. How is that possible? How do you... A pedigree like Barcelona, I'd played for PSG, had had improved as a player. Now, he was worth more than £6 million. How do you settle for £3 million? How is that allowed? Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I think from the late 90s onwards uh, through Murray's kind of, I know obviously Murray was kind of in and out uh, at this point, but um, through those periods, we were never good at selling players, you know, especially the outlay, we would always spend, you know, obviously famously um, back in, was it all, one when we we spent twelve million on Tor Andre Flo, um, we would never you know Ross Wilson would have an aneurysm now I think um if he saw the way that they were operating you know we did not have that kind of structure in place yes we invested in uh Ockenhowie Murray Park then uh to try and get. Uh, kids through the system. I always remember as well. There was the TV show. Do you remember Blue Heaven? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which they had on the telly, but there was never anything to reap. So it's not as if we were making money in other areas. We just weren't, and we weren't selling. You probably look at three million back then for a player sounds good, but no, not when you've spent six million on them. No, it was it, it was plugging gaps, uh, gaps that were getting bigger, essentially. It was just weird, just weird and just bad negotiating. But Bain will come up later on because I think he deserves <laughs> a he deserves a couple of minutes in that in this type of show. But Rangers obviously went into that summer. They did they did spend they didn't spend a fortune, but they obviously brought a few players in. They spent half a million in Nacho Novo. I've said before, I think that's one of the best value for money signings in Rangers history. But also free agents like Dado Purcell, Boomsong, Alec Ray, Marvin Andrews. It was exciting compared to what was there last season. Dado Pussel obviously came from the Champions League final with Monaco. Boomsong was a young talent. Alec Ray was kind of needed as that kind of enforcer in the middle of the park. The Marvin Andrews signing I didn't get, but quickly proved me wrong. It was all about just getting a bit... McLeish, I think, deserves a lot of credit here because he's this is where he does kind of work and say, I need these players and I need to fill gaps, as you say. And I think this summer is a lot more exciting. Definitely. Um, I think our, I think our biggest outlay was uh, as well. I think was it Thomas Buffo? Um, yeah, it was like, on, yeah. yeah, from Feyenoord. Oh, that was in January, wasn't it? Yeah, sorry. Um, but yeah, you know, Dado Purcell was exciting. You know, he was just off the back of the Champions League final. You know, some a, a good kind of recognised striker. Obviously, Nacho Nova. I remember watching uh, back when the BBC used to show the games. Um, I remember watching the Dundee Derby a few months before when um, Jim, I uh, can't remember the manager's name now, um, uh, Jim Duffy was manager uh, of Dundee at the time and Nacho just run riot. Yeah. And you could see he was an absolute talent. He had the pace. He was good. He, he, he just he could finish a ball as well. He was kind of the all round player. Um, and it, you know, little did we know it was going to be the great little and large mm-hmm. kind of strike force, which it really did prove to be. Like you say, Marvin Andrews didn't really bat an eyelid about that at the time. Um, obviously Alex Ray coming in, uh, knew he was a big Rangers man. Um, which I guess always helps. But you know, I, I at that point I thought, oh, maybe he's a bit over the hill now. Um. But then, of course, uh, we brought in Satirius Kyriakos. 
Um, I think we liked players with long hair at that time, yeah. didn't we? Um, and um, long names. Yeah, but I think obviously that, that might be January. No, it wasn't January, was it? No, it oh, was. He came, in, he came in in January, yeah. Yeah, that was, wasn't it? But yeah, it, it did look like a little bit of an improvement. The Boom Song um, one was was big. It was big news. Um, I just always remember going, wow, French international, you know, somebody who really is a great centre-back. Um, you know, it was it was just great. It was good. It was looking good at that point. But at the same time, in the back of our heads, we knew that it was such a, I guess, bin fire the season before that it would take a hell of a lot to challenge the other ends of the city, really. And this is the thing with this Celtic team, right? We know how effective that Celtic team was. They're not, like, Larson left. They weren't as good as they were. Now, mm. the problem is, and I think we, I think we forget about this because of how well this season ends, but the start of that season is horrific. It is. Go out, the Rangers go out of the Champions League to Moscow. Really bad result against Celtic. McLeish was under a bit of pressure after the season before, because as you said, I think the word binfire is perfect for that because it just turned into such a, a nothing season. But there was a lot more encouragement from the signings and obviously Champions League was massive. The Maritimo game, I remember, being a oh. massive turning point for the season yeah. because Rangers obviously get beaten the first leg to Maritimo in Portugal. I remember the next day there was calls and notice boards and things like that for McLeish to lose his job. I remember that specifically. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? I do. I, do you know what? That season sticks so well in my mind because uh, I just remember, because I think we went about eight points behind um, in, in the league, but I do remember the UEFA Cup because I remember the Moscow game because I remember Novo scoring yeah. and celebrating. And I was celebrating as well. I was going crazy because I thought, oh, you know, we're going to get there, we're going to get there. And then the referee had, had actually blown the whistle. But oh, it was annoying. But yeah, obviously. Vanga Love absolutely ripped. Vanga Love, yeah. Because he went to, because he went to, uh, what was that other team? Um, oh, what was it? That team um, used to wear the orange kit. They were bankrolled and were always in and out the Champions League. He went there and he, he tore Shakhtar? it up there as well. Shakhtar, that's it. Yeah, um, yeah, he was a cracking player of Agdalov. He was always popping up, uh, always uh, at different teams in Europe. But um, yeah, the, it was very frustrating. I think this was getting towards the end of the old uh, UEFA Cup format as well, yeah, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah, it was round about um, this time. So there was a lot riding on that first leg to Maritimo, uh, in a sense. Um, uh, but yeah, we were looking... It's just that old from game, like you say. It was just it was another defeat. That was probably our what seventh or eighth defeat against somewhere. We just looked flat. We just didn't look like we we're going anywhere. Granted, it does take time to gel a side together, especially when you're bringing in, you know, quite a lot of players. Um, you know, we looked good in preseason. I remember Purcell scoring that that goal against Fulham. We all remember that one, don't we? Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it was frustrating at that point, and we kind of thought, Ooh, are they going to pull away again? The two turn obviously the the penalty shootout win over Maritimo, I think was a big turning point, but I think it was a big turning point as well. The League Cup game against Aberdeen away, winning two now. I think that the pressure eased on McLeish because I think if obviously not winning a trophy the season before, I think just getting that bit of success in the, the League Cup was a, a massive one. But people forget in that summer, in that September, Alec McLeish would could have easily lost his job. And we'll talk about him later on, obviously, when he does lose his job and it was just a shame. It was a shame how it ended up, but I think at this point that that does go under the radar how just how close that was. But off the field, 
David Murray was back as chairman. Now he tried to spin this in classic David Murray way, and he tried to come out and say that he had more free time in his hands. That he had sorted out, he'd taken a bit of time to to revalue his businesses, and he was back to do that. The debt had been trimmed a wee bit. McClellan had done actually quite a good job to to trim the debt, but the reason Murray was actually back was Halifax had merged with Bank of Scotland, and they wanted some. They wanted a bit of leadership from Murray, and Murray was going to come in and fix the mess. He was going to launch a new share issue that was going to raise fifty million pounds with new shareholders coming in. Do you remember this? Do you remember this being talked about at the time Murray coming back and the BS that he provided that he was coming back because he had more free time when actually the bank told him to come back and sort his mess out? I, I remember, uh, I think it might have been an article maybe from, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I, remember, I think I remember Graham Spears doing a thing about the banks because um, this is the time where they were coming knocking going, right, what's the plan? What's the date? When are we, you know, because it's not going to last forever, is it? Especially when, you know, debt is, you know, kind of increasing. Um, again, a lot of us Rangers fans, we buried our head in the sands. Yeah. I, was, I was 15, 16. I didn't get the whole money side. I thought, ah, we're Rangers, we're fine. Um, but there, there, you could tell there was a shift. Um, I think with Murray was always good at PR. He was always good at talking. He was always good at talking the talk, dangling signings in front of you, uh, and then sometimes they never happened, uh, and he wouldn't say who they were, and you know he was always uh, like that. Um, but the, there was the I just always remember the boom song, um, the way he left just felt very weird. Um, I don't want to say it felt like he was pushed out because it it seemed clear that he, he wanted to go. But yeah, there was that. That was it always was... that was always the plan of that day. It was always but totally again. When obviously there's a there's some legal implications here. Like I think I think the statute of limitations just passed. But I, I don't want to be. I want to be. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah, as yeah. possible. But it's clear what that was. It was clear. Yeah. Get him in for nothing. Sell him on. But he looked. He was a. He was brilliant. I'm actually amazed his career's went the way it has. He was, it was unbelievable a, in that six months. It was surprising, wasn't it? Because I always remember he only had one bad game for us, and that was against Bordeaux um, when we played them. Um, and it was so strange because it was against his old team. And it just, I don't know if he just got emotionally involved in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, it, was, it was just a strange one. But then after that, we, we didn't really see him again. And then it was, it was such a strange way of doing things. Obviously, you get players in the door, but it's not normally that quick to, you know, where turned turned around and then gone um i think was it to newcastle at the time was it i think it went to newcastle there's a lot of things of whether there's a lot of talk of whether it was it was all done together i think we know what happened but the problem with the share issue was is that david murray thought this would raise 50 million it raised one and murray was forced to and this to me is the biggest problem with all this is that murray just Borrowed from the bank to pay back the bank. Pay back the bank. He just borrowed money from one company to put into Ranger. It was how this was, how the the financial world at the time was just remarkable. How that, that's a that's a series in itself. Mm. That is, if you really want to, if you really want to take a deep look into that, I think there's plenty of opportunities because there's so many just bad finance financial situations happening at, at other businesses in Scotland and around the world at the time. And obviously, we know it crashes, but. His relationship with the bank had went obviously a long way. He'd been very close to like Sir Gavin Masterson, who would the old Deferman 
the director, I was going to say dictator there. <laughs> the Fairland director who, do you remember the plan to sell Ibrox to them? Yeah, then they, they were going some... to lease it back. There was there was a few things banded around. There was the 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 sale of the name of Ibrox was banded around at the time I remember, and there was a bit of uproar there. Um, but yes, that kind of I, I guess he maybe looked at Real Madrid and what they kind of did with um, the the local council there in a sense, um, which seems awfully dodgy, but um, allegedly. Um, but yeah, there was a lot banded around of how we were going to make money. There was the casino idea. Do you remember the big super <laughs> casino idea yeah, yeah. that was going to, you know, make us lots of money? You know, he always had this vision of, you know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Um, but again, you know, when it comes to the logistics of these situations, it's like you have to outlay a lot of money. Um, yeah, it was, I, I, for me, it wasn't this season that I felt we were in a bit of trouble. It was more the season after I did. Yeah. Um, but obviously that came a bit more, but um, yeah, there was a lot going on. There was a lot of, um, especially because you imagine if Twitter was around then, uh, it would have been unbelievable, wouldn't it? Um, I've got a quote. Yeah. I've got a quote here from somebody who was, who actually knew what knew what was going on, and well, we didn't know what was going on, but he had his suspicions, and he was prominent in the the kind of Rangers fan media at the time. And I'll I'll just read a quote that he sent me here, and I'm I'm not going to name him, but people will probably know who that is. Murray tried to sell iBooks to a company which would have six directors, two from the bank, two from Rangers, and two from fan organisations, and we would lease back the ground. By this time, given Murray more money, it was like buying an Alki a bottle of vodka at Christmas. Now that's true. That is bang I remember on. that quote. Yep. That is bang on, word for yep. word, what was going on. Murray had obviously had his money from Joe Lewis and Dave King that he'd squandered. He he couldn't get out of his own way. He couldn't re- he was taking money, take, 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 taking money from the club, taking money from the bank, but it wasn't about the long term. If you and me go and get a credit card and we squander it, now I think with the, the financial situation we're in at this point, I think we go, well, wait a minute, there's a long-term problem coming here. Murray never ever thought about that. And I it, it bothers me because there's so many businessmen you know who always think about what's coming ahead. Murray never ever thought about that. It was just take, 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 spend, 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 and worry about it later. I agree. Uh, I, I always got the impression he always thought, Oh, that's not today. That's tomorrow. Yes, um, I think that's exactly it. I, I always think that he always thought, "Ah, oh, there's a way out. This is a football club. It's an institution. It's worth a lot of money." I think he always thought that the worst wouldn't happen. Um, it I was. The, I think by the time he thought that, I think by the time he thought that would happen, he'd lost interest and was just like, "Nah, it'll be fine. It's yeah. nothing to do with me. It will happen after I leave." And I think that's the problem. I think he always thought that something would turn up. He was a gambler. Was it? He was a gambler. He was a very... And don't get me wrong, really, it did pay off in the odd little thing. It would pay off, yeah. Law of averages, no, that's not how you run a, a business. You, you can't gamble everything. You know, in the nineties, he he looked at us being the big European superpower, didn't he? He looked at us, you know, and he wanted that. And you know, granted, there was the outlay for that, but then when it didn't happen, you know, you're not getting that money coming in, and obviously, this is such a it's such a monumental season, really, isn't it? Considering you know what was happening at the start, you know, because this this filters down to the players. Um, when you're hearing, oh, there's little hiccups, there's this, there's that. 
Um, they, they do start, you know, in the back of their minds thinking, oh, I know it wasn't like this at the point, at that point, but they still think, oh, am I going to get paid in a few months? Or, you know, people start thinking the worst, especially with the newspapers, you know, start with, this is probably around the time the articles did start. Um, they did start around about that yeah. point. You spoke about the casino. I think that's a very interesting point because that was openly mocked at the time. That was Murray Bravado. That was Murray feeding, as you say, and you, you spoke on it earlier, a really interesting point, feeding the bravado of, I'll give them this, I'll give the fans this to think about, this exciting thing where this carnage is going on in the background, but if I feed them this, they won't think about that and me. Takes them off my back for about two weeks. And somebody, <laughs> yeah. somebody, and somebody saw through it, and people saw through it, it was like, that's never happening, and it was, I think it got, I don't even think it got anywhere. I remember it was Emma to be Dodds. Fair. It was Emma Dodds that broke the story, I remember that. She used to write for the Rangers News, didn't she? Yeah, she yeah. did, yeah. Um, I, to, to be fair, getting through Glasgow City Council, I think, would have been the biggest hurdle, let alone building the thing. Um, and it's not just that as well. When you're, you're playing with people's lives as well uh, because you're creating, you're telling everybody, I'm going to create all these jobs and all that, and people are thinking, oh, wow, this is... This is but it was never, ever close to that. And it was just more bravado. It was classic, just, I'll say what I want, and nothing will come back on me because the media don't challenge me. But that's the stage they did. And we're going later on to talk about moonbeams. And that's the real turning point. The media did love him and he loved being in front of them. Um, I think he liked team biscuits with the journalists um, and talking about his grand plans. Yeah. And then obviously this was getting to a point where it's like, right, we want to ask the serious questions. And I don't think he liked that really. He, yeah. didn't like, he didn't like being challenged, but on the park, things didn't prove. Rangers had obviously improved they, they two massive wins against Celtic in November they are when you talk about turning points this is these are huge I remember that midweek one very specifically in the league cup Celtic I do. that was I was I couldn't go I was ill but I remember watching it at home and feeling this was a because there was such a fear factor with Celtic I, the one that advocate couldn't get that going it couldn't get mm. it out the fear factor Celtic had, I think Celtic had lost seven straight games against, Rangers had lost seven straight games against That's Celtic. That's right. That game meant something massive, not just to the fans, but to the players as well, because of, as you say, that fear factor, that meant we can beat Celtic and it just filled up with confidence. Do you know what? I remember the build-up to the game, because uh, it was a midweek game, wasn't it? Um, and... I remember actually there was a lot of confidence. There was a lot of confidence because we'd started to play, you know, we started to play very well. We started to, you know, have some some decent results. Um, I think in October we smashed Aberdeen 5-0 and it was, that was like when we started to look like, you know what, we are actually a good unit. We're very good playing. And I just remember that game because it was on BBC One, mm -hmm. uh, BBC One Scotland. And then because it went to extra time, I had to switch to BBC Two Scotland. <laughs> Is that right? I remember that. that. Is that right, yeah? Yeah, and I remember, because I watched it with my friend John, uh, a good friend growing up, uh, he lived up in Milton, <coughs> Glasgow, and I uh, went up to see him, and uh, I just remember when I left, outside you could see over Glasgow, there was lots of blue fireworks going off after the <laughs> final whistle, because it was a monumental win. Um, it it showed that there might be a shift in, yeah. in Glasgow. And it was huge getting that result. That was huge. And I remember buying the DVD in the Ranger shop in uh, Socky Old Street in Glasgow. <laughs> I remember the remember remember two wins in November because yeah. it was it was great. And to have those kind of games so close and to still you know be able to win both was just phenomenal. Yeah, Rangers had obviously turned it around in the league. They were leveling points with Celtic and getting into New Year after being eight points behind in mid October. It was a massive turnaround in form. 
And Rangers did strengthen. The boom song thing we obviously spoke about was was weird, but Buffo would come in and a return for Barry Ferguson. Now there was a it's a weird one because we know Barry Ferguson obviously got injured in England, but he did do pretty well. He did do mm-hmm. pretty well the time he was there, but I think he struggled with the you can draw at Blackburn and it's okay. And I think Barry Ferguson, I think that Barry Ferguson's got a bit of an ego as well. I know we speak about egos with David Murray. Barry Ferguson loved the the attention Rangers gave him, and I get that. But Ferguson coming back was a big, big thing that's that January as well because it felt like he should be here and he will help improve, and he did. I think that was what was uh, that's what was good about that that January itself. Um, you know, we were looking good, and we decided to build on it. Um, you know, bring obviously bringing back Barry Ferguson because the rumors only started, I think, a couple of days before, if I remember right, um, in my head, um, that he might be coming back. And then there was, I think, a picture of him spotted at, at Murray Park, um, in the papers. And I just remember, I think his first game back was it was it the League Cup? It was over... a League Cup semi final against the United. That was that 7-1. was it. Seven yeah. one. That was it. I just remember he chipped a ball. Uh, I can't remember who scored it, but he, he was just on fire that game, and it just brought back that 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 just that dynamism to the midfield. Somebody was going to boss it and control it, and things were just looking so exciting at that point. Yeah, um, absolutely. Barry coming back was big for Rangers. He was Rangers. Yeah, and as well as that, as you say, the Rangers go on a really good unbeaten run heading into that old form game at Parkhead in February. That was McLeish's first old fun one at Celtic Park. There was a first one at Celtic Park since 2000, which I find remarkable. That And that's true because I remember, I, I think that was the first one I remember Celtic, Rangers winning at Parkhead. But the problem with that, the, the not the problem, but that was massive, massive. And you remember, obviously, McLeish doing that interview and they're singing in the dressing room and things like that. It felt big. And it, there's so many big points in this season. But I think this is the big one. This is the one where Rangers really say, we can beat Celtic, we can take this title back, and this is the one they needed, and this is the one, obviously, they got. Terrific, terrific result for Rangers. Totally correct. I remember um, the stats at the time, because I think that was the season that Celtic gave up their complete unbeaten record in every competition yeah. uh, for about, was it five or six years? I think even Barca couldn't go there and win. And it was quite a, a monumental, I guess, achievement. And, you know, you don't lose in any competition. Um, and I think Aberdeen undone them, I think, one midweek. Um, and then us winning there, you know, that's a huge thing because, you know, you can count on the palm of your hand how many times you've won it at, at Parkhead, can't you? Um, you know, I always remember Rab Douglas, I think, was in goal. I think he had an absolute nightmare that day. Um, I remember Vignal just yeah, scored. Drops Vignal one, yeah. Oh, it was great. Um it was just a great game and obviously Novo's chip. Oh, fantastic. And it was psychologically, that was laying down the marker. That was, we can go on and win this now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one big, big player that season was Fernando Rickson. He has his best season for Rangers and it's in midfield. And we, we think about uh, Fernando Rickson as a complete warrior. Fernando Rickson had an unbelievable season that season. And he then did, I feel, and it it just you look back when with so much fondness, and this is why for me, he he was just so good when he moved into midfield. He was just he was allowed time in the ball. He was allowed to be a proper. Didn't he worry about defending? Mm. It wasn't his strong point, but in the midfield, he's just so good. And then obviously the partnership with Ferguson later on was just breathtaking. 
It, it, it had to be one of the best midfields uh, in in that uh, in in those years, probably in about five years. Um, it was fantastic, you know, because obviously, you know, Rickson started as a was it was left back, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was more focused on the wings. But having he was a very he was very good with the ball. He was very good at dictating play. Obviously, played differently to Ferguson, but he, he could drive forward a little bit more, which was great because he had that in his in his locker. Um, it was just it was everything was starting to click and sometimes you just need as well a little bit of luck here and there you know but everything was working um excuse me um yeah it was great it was a great time <coughs> excuse me that whole obviously the league cup was won 5-1 win over muddle that was another really impressive performance the league was becoming neck and neck celtic had obviously been heavily reliant on their new loan signing craig bellamy who i think had dragged them towards the title, like going towards the title, obviously that one at Ibrooks in the the last old firm game, it meant it was all it was all Celtic getting into the final day. Celtic were Celtic were clear. Celtic were two points clear. All they needed was a win, and they would win the league if they beat Motherwell at Fur Park. Rangers were obviously Easter Road. What was the memories getting into that day? Well, I remember the whole day vividly. Um, I I remember the morning. Uh, where I grew up, um, there was people queuing outside the off license. A lot of Celtic fans, you know, they 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 had it in the bag. They thought, um, understandably so. Uh, we played Motherwell the week before. We'd won four one. There was nothing about Motherwell that season. Obviously, we scudded them in the League Cup final as well. Um, and I, now I didn't have Satanta Sports. My mate didn't have Satanta Sports. So this is a wee bit different. Um, so we listened to it on the radio, which actually I think provided amazing commentary. So I went up. Um, I was a bit late. I got the bus a bit late going to my mates in Milton. Got there and Celtic had just taken the leads. Um, yeah, Sutton scored. I think it was after five minutes. Yeah, and it was like, oh no. Well, there's any hope gone. We had the harder game, you know. That was the season. Had for Europe, really... I think. Yeah. Yeah, Hibs were a really good side. That they were a very young side. Scott Brown, obviously. Um. And they were a very good team. Um, we were still drawing nil-nil. Um, comes to the second half, we take the leads. Okay, we're doing what we can. Uh, but I remember those those last two minutes because we were we were sitting in his room because I was about 15, 16 at the time. He was about the same, and um, I just remember, oh, he was both to McDonald's and you just went, what was just happening? I could not work out. I was like, they've scored, they've scored. We were jumping up, we were going absolutely mental because we just thought, they've scored, they've scored. Then, as we ran down the hallway, because his dad had burst out the living room, going, oh, they've scored. Um, we heard, oh, and it's gone in. And we went, oh, they've run up the other end and scored. Of course they have, of course they have, because that's what they did. They lived on 90-second minute goals. Um, and... And when they said McDonald again, McDonald again, we just thought, no, no. How, how is this even happening? Now, next door to my mate uh, lived a Celtic fan. And he was in his, like, 30s. His partner was a, a Rangers fan. <coughs> he had a young kid at the time. But he was he was just a horrible guy. He would, we were a couple of teenagers. He'd go, you're Rangers fans, you're this, you're that. You know, and he was always a bit, you know, a bit of one of them, you know. Um, and I just always remember him kicking his front door out <laughs> I just left. He walked out, left. We went, what the hell is that? We opened his front door out into the uh, the close. And his missus was at the door going, they've just scored. Motherwell, it's 2-1, it's 2-1. Come in, lads. I've got Satanta. <laughs> so she didn't care that he just kicked the door in and went. 
Um, and to be fair, yeah, he was quiet for a few weeks after that, but it was just the memories. They just, I just remember just the elation. It was the sheer, how, how have we made a better helicopter Sunday than the one before? You know, it was just in world football, it's just, you know, that the probably thing that comes close is uh, the English Premiership and was it 89? Yeah. Who Arsenal, it was just, there's nothing that's come close to that. And Motherwell, no disrespect to them, had nothing about them. They were getting pummeled in that game. You know, they were really, Celtic were really knocking the door down. And it was a couple of long balls, essentially. And, you know, Scott McDonald, eh? he became a bit of a, a, a Rangers uh, <laughs> Ronnie Rangers uh, fans' favourite men for a while. He was, he was at a lot of the RSCs as well, I remember. Yeah, I remember. I remember, obviously, I was only about nine or ten at the time. And my wee twin brother and sister had just been born on the 4th of May. And this was like the 21st or something. So we were like, it was quite hectic at the time. And my mum had taken my wee brother and sister to my other wee brother's birthday party. So it was just me and my dad and a couple of neighbours had come over to watch it, as we often did. We had all the people in the street with Satana. So we had kind of gathered everybody. Mm. And we, Rangers, Rangers weren't there. I didn't expect Rangers to win the league. But yeah, as you say, I just remember that McDonald goal and jumping on my dad and just the, the unbelievable day of it. But I remember my dad phoning my mum to say, you need to come come home. We're going to Ibrox. And oh. we, went, we went to Ibrox that night and it was just unbelievable. As you say, just an unbelievable day. We'll get comments as well. Just tell us what, you, what your memories of that day were because it was just such an unbelievable day. Not one you can really... You can really look back and think... It's one of those days you, you'll never, ever forget because Not it was just all, so, yeah. so just out the ordinary. And it was just unbelievable. But to win that league, how big was that for that for McLeish? Because he'd obviously in September he was probably if you'd said he was he was going to be there in May, I think a lot of people would have said he might not be. But to go and win the league from there in, in the most dramatic of circumstances, how massive was that? Absolutely huge, absolutely huge. I think what was good uh, was the fact we won the League Cup. That always seemed yeah. to spur us on a little bit, didn't it? Um, you know, around it was, it was March back then, wasn't it? Um, but for McLeish to put that side together, you know, in that summer where we'd won nothing, we were pushing people out the door. There was mayhem upstairs, um, and for him to kind of go, look, we need we need to spend, we need to get players in. And to be fair, he didn't exactly blow lots of money. He was he was very clever with the signings. I think Buffo was probably the the biggest uh, financial outlay. Um, but it it was just it was. I think it's bigger than we realise sometimes because especially, you know, you you look at Rangers of you know recent years. Um, you know, it's very hard to get out of that rut psychologically, especially losing every old from game. That just doesn't happen. You know, the the old whitewash never happens. Mm-hmm. You at least win one or draw one or something. Um, but to turn that around and it was just brilliant, especially with this was an indication as well from the other end of the city that their side now was starting to age. Yeah, it was a very successful side. And it done so well, you know, they've beaten so many big teams in Europe, but it was now, especially with Larson going, it was a big change over there. Yeah. And as you say, Anil leaves Celtic, Gordon Strachan comes in. There was a feeling in the media that Celtic were in the downturn and Rangers were on the on the ascendancy. That would turn <coughs> out to be Sorry. complete nonsense because the days of free spending was over. Again, McLeish couldn't build on his success, on his success. It couldn't go and improve the team that had just won the title again it just get 
I mean, it's just a, it, it's annoying to even look at because you look at just how how good that season was, and you look at he'd obviously turned the fifty million in equity. So the situation financially seemed to have calmed down. The debt wasn't as high, but it was always, as we say, one move away from chaos. This summer is another bizarre one because there's some signings here. Brahim Hamdani makes a lot of sense. Ian Murray makes a lot of sense. Jose Carroll, PF fan fan. Oliver Bernard. He'd obviously off- offloaded players like Ball and Arvaladze. Decent wage earners, so obviously that was the plan, but I want to bring your attention to one signing, if you remember. Do you remember the name Filippo Maniero? Maniero, was this right. the uh, I'll play if you need me? Yeah. Uh, Maniero, what a bizarre Yeah, you sign a player from Italy, right? Fair enough. Serie A experience. Rangers had tried to sign him before. Decent Italian striker back in the day. Rangers had signed Filippo Maniero and told him, you don't have to move to Ibrox. What you can do is you can stay in Italy, train with your local team, and if we need you, we'll get we'll send a plane for you on Friday to play the Saturday. Madness. Madness. Absolute madness. Uh, what on earth is that? What how on earth is no but that's that's my and this isn't just David Murray that deserves a blame for this. This is the whole Rangers board because somebody must have looked at that and went to and David that wouldn't have mattered because David Murray did what David Murray wanted. But all somebody had to say, somebody must have said, What are you doing? What is this all? Why? You, it was weird at the time because you heard the name and go, oh, wow, okay. Player, very yeah, player. you go, right, okay. And then you're like, oh, okay. And the fact that, because wasn't it terminated very early on? It did well, last, this... I think it lasted. I think he played one friendly against Clyde. I oh, think. my God. Yeah. Absolute madness. It's how, the fact is, when you're training with other teams, you don't you don't get into the system. You don't get into the tactics. It just doesn't that whole idea. There must have been some sort of amazing deal for us, just for Murray to be able to go. You know what? I just want to announce a huge signing. That's you what know. it was. It was just like, oh, he was a good player back in the day. It was a, the egg of Austin sad thing. Like, yeah, he was a decent player. Let's just announce him, and they'll make fans happy. No, and it didn't. And the bank were obviously the bank are involved at this point, and they are in. They're, they're kind of running the. Telling Murray what to do. Murray's kind of get two two hands behind his back, but that's his own fault. Martin Bain seems to make a bit of a progression at this point. He'd obviously became chief executive around two thousand five. He had, he's an interesting one because I think I think he was obviously a Murray, not a Murray puppet. That's maybe harsh, but he was certainly from the Murray cloth of not really caring about not really having to care about what the fans wanted. Now you know as well as I do when you run a football when you when you're a football fan, you need to know that the company's been run well, the club's been run well because that's and you don't you're not meant to care about the balance sheet, but as long as you know there's people in there who have the best interest for the fans. And I think as much as I think that the current Rangers board can I make mistakes and can I don't usually can I they'll make some big kind of errors. What they do, what they know is, is that the fact what the fans have been through recently, they have the best interest of the club at heart. And Bain, I think, suffered from that because Bain just Bain saw himself as Murray's protege, where I don't think Murray saw him as that. But Bain had obviously think I'll just be the same. I'll just be the same character, and that's the problem. That was Bain's problem. He was just yeah. very much cut from the David Murray cloth. Didn't he get a cryo chamber put in it? Um, yeah, was it Ocken Howie. 
No, it was uh, Sunderland. He, was, he, oh, he, he didn't that, do that. Yeah, he didn't do that at Ibrooks, luckily, but he <laughs> managed to do it in Sunderland. And he's become a bit of a caricature, but he was very much promoted by Murray to kind of do Murray's day-to-day work. Now, he was he was obviously a commercial director. I think he's actually done pretty well in his mm. time. But later on, when he needs the fans, when he's trying to warn them about big, bad Craig White, he can get through to them. And it's because of this. It's because of this time, because he just didn't. He treated the fans with contempt. It wasn't. He would famously not promote. He, he would bring in people who, he would bring in people who supported Celtic. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he, d- he didn't he like didn't, people that supported the club. He, d- yeah, he, he didn't like people that. telling him the right thing to do. Yeah. And that's David Murray as well. David Murray didn't like that. And Bain obviously was cut from that cloth. He wouldn't, he wouldn't get, it was, it was tough because I think Bain, I think we look at Bain badly now because of that. But I think he just, he was trying too much to be, he was trying too much to be Gordon, the Gordon Gecko, the kind of prodigy Gordon Gecko. That's what it was like. It was like, yeah, just do everything this guy does and I'll be loved the same way he is. It's not the same. Do you know what? I do remember um, his reasoning for um, having Celtic fans over Rangers fans was they won't bother the players. Um, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. You know, if, if you're hiring somebody that's a fan of the club, they've got the club's interests at heart, um, more so maybe than somebody off the street. Um, yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. I think he thought he saw himself as maybe potentially a Murray replacement um, in the future. He's still, <laughs> obviously, he's still in football. He obviously was down at Sunderland. I don't know if he's still there. He's now, he's now what I found out, he's now something to do with the Indian Super League. Oh, is he? Yeah. Uh, okay. There's a lot of money out there in, in, in that respect. Um, but I think, but... yeah, I think he gets tarnished with the Murray, the Murray brush yeah. in a way. I think he's... As a collective, yeah, I think yeah, he does. Yeah. I think he does. And he was... I think if you spoke to Martin Bain now, I think he would be... Now, obviously, we know he's became a bit of a kind of comic figure for his Sunderland antics, but just listen... Not listen to the fans, because I get the whole thing that fans can't always be right, and I get no. that, but you need to... If you're going to... If you're going to then need the fans later on, which is what he did, what he needed, you need to give them something. You can't just be this guy, guy in a suit who just tells them don't do this, don't do that. You're not going to get anywhere. And you're, it's very, very rare that people last unless they're brilliant at, brilliant at running the club and you can see what they're, what they're doing. But again, what was it? What were the really, what was the real improvements at the time? I mean, you're, I think, see, you're seeing yeah. the likes of Olivia Bernard, you're seeing the squad going backwards and Bain, obviously, his position's becoming higher. So what's the balance there? What, where are you going? Like Martin Bain's coming up, but what is he actually doing good for the club where fans will get on his side? And that was his problem. That's what he suffered from. I totally agree, because it always felt like there was a lot of... Um, uh, it seemed like a lot of arguments and debates between fan groups and either him him or... Because I think uh, for a while, because it always used to be more David Murray people that fan groups used to deal with, but then it suddenly it started to yeah, become Bane a bit Bain, more... Yeah. Like, I think it just probably because Murray was just like, oh, I just can't be bothered. Yeah. Um, I think that's just what it became at one point. Um, But yeah, this... Like you say, Olivia Bernard, how, how crazy is that to think that Olivia Bernard was in this team, you know, weighed probably about 15 stone and took us... Um, was it to the last sixteen of the Champions League? <laughs> it's just you mentioned there about the the last sixteen of the Champions League, and we'll just kind of we'll just kind of do it in a one up because there's there's so much going on this season. The reaching the last sixteen with a team like this is mind blowing. 
absolutely mind blown how they managed to do it. It was, it wasn't a spectacle of football, but they got the results. They, they obviously beat Porto. I think they only lost one game. I think they only lost Inter Milan. I think was the, the only yeah the game. the one where Lovin Kranz missed the sitter. That's right. Yeah, yeah. like um, some some achievement, some achievement to do. And we'll obviously touch on it. With the we'll get into kind of further detail with it with the the written piece, but that was some achievement, wasn't it? It was because it's not as if we just had a lucky draw. Um, you know, to have Inter Milan um in that group with Porto, um, you know, it's you got really no right to finish third. Um, we Rangers have always up to this point underperformed in Europe. We always have. Uh the nineties, you know, bar ninety-two, ninety-three, we were atrocious in Europe. The amount of, you know, you hear the word grasshoppers and you shudder instantly and mm-hmm. You know, despite the money that was pumped into the club then, we could never achieve this. And we'd done it at a time where we had kind of, we were relying on players like Francis Jeffers at times. Um, it's just unbelievable. It, it, it's it's definitely up there with uh, winning the league the season before, you know, in that kind of bizarre, it's just a strange one because it, it really did keep McLeish in a job. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, it, and, and it actually does. And that's... you made a terrific point there. It Rangers, was, Rangers yeah. domestically are atrocious that season. Now, the famous run in October to December where Rangers go 10 games without a win, 17 points behind Celtic in their fifth place in the league. Now, I don't care how well you do in Europe, you do not last if that's, that's your rematch. No, Even Pedro Cusinha and Mark Warburton didn't get <laughs> as bad as that. Now, I, I think Alex McLeish is a very underrated Rangers manager, but Domestic form like that, and as you say, can you imagine Twitter now? Can you imagine Twitter then? Do you know what I mean? I, like, I think as well, considering when you look to what was happening across the city, uh, with Strachan coming in and the players that were they were signing, you know, they weren't players that were replacements for Larson, you know, replacements, you know, for you know Sutton Thompson and all this. You looked at it and thought, well, oh, we've got a chance here. It wasn't we've got a chance. I, as you say, it wasn't like Celtic were going out and signing huge players. I mean. It was Magic Zerafsky, Nakamura, Boric. So there weren't a lot of players people have heard of. They obviously weren't to be really good signings, but mm. it wasn't setting the, the world on fire. Like It wasn't like... But David Murray does what David Murray does. Instead of properly kind of stepping in and being decisive, he tells Chick Young in the BBC, now I want to kind of get your thoughts on this. During that run, Alec McLeish's position would be reviewed after five games. He would have five games to save his job. Rangers didn't win any of them. Now a lot of people were thinking McLeish would be would be showing the door. And Murray comes out and says that McLeish is staying. What's your memories of that? It was I remember it seemed to be every few weeks that he would come out and go, We're gonna review it after the next few games, gonna review it after the next few games. And yeah, it was a strange one because I think, you know, that was it was almost set in stone, you know, we'll review it after five games and the five games were atrocious. Um, and the fact he said he was staying on, um, I don't know if it's because he thought he didn't want to pay McLeish off at that point. I think maybe it was a strange one um, because there was a few times that season that he did say, we'll review it, we'll review it. Um, obviously, as well, famously, we had there was, um, Hearts were essentially Hearts, doing bits, yeah. weren't they? Um, what wonders at Hearts in his early days, early days before he was sacked, yeah. And we we were languishing at this point, uh, second, third, fourth, you know, at times. Um, it, we just it's... lost fast in late oh. November. 
Do you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, that and, doesn't happen. No, it doesn't yeah. happen. And Murray, Murray again. And you said there about obviously McLeish. He, he kept saying we'll review the situation after that last review where he said we'll review it after five games and Rangers didn't win any of them. He comes out with this thing and it's a stick and that's what it is. He comes out and says that I looked into Alex's eyes and realised I couldn't sack him before the quarter fight, the last 16 tie against Villarreal. See if Murray had said that instead of saying we'll review the situation. If he'd come out and said when the kind of pressure was mounting, they've come out and said, McLeish, uh, well, Alex will be leaving at the end of the season, but he deserves the chance to lead Rangers out in the last 16 because it was an unbelievable achievement. Rangers never finished, it. Rangers never got to the last 16, so he deserved, he did deserve that chance to lead Rangers out because he took them there. But instead, you get this nonsense of, well, review it after five games, Rangers don't improve in the five games, so people are expected McLeish to be gone. And instead, it just feeds off this nonsense and just makes things difficult for himself. And McLeish, what's McLeish thinking as well? He's got five games to say. McLeish is thinking his days are his days are over. McLeish can't be sitting there after the five games and going, do you know what? I'm definitely staying here. Unless he'd been told by Murray, I've just said that just to shut everybody up for a couple of weeks. That's true. Yeah, we've got to remember managers are human as well, haven't Correct. we? Yeah. Um, you know, when you're in a job and, you know, it's very publicly being told by the press that it's going to be reviewed, it's going to be reviewed, and then doesn't exactly and then yeah it's not good for you working um you know when you're trying to motivate a team your teammates well your your, your players are uh thinking you're going to be out the door in five minutes um it was just such a, a weird time this season i think really did kind of solidify that yeah there needs to be a change um I, I don't think McLeish really did a lot wrong. I think he was very hamstrung. I think he was um, hamstrung, and I think that's why a lot of people have said have kind of calmed down on it now because yeah. I think he was he was working with shoestring, but he was working with he, he, his team sold out from under him not once but twice. So he had that thing in his locker of I'm not I'm not working with the team I had. So he's he had that kind of excuse. But there is a common theory with us that George Burley, you mentioned that Hearts had what blunders. He'd obviously been sacked after the fallout with Romanoff. Murray had him lined up. Something put Murray off Burley. Now, we could speculate as what that was, and it's not for me or anybody to... That's between everybody involved, but something changed, and Murray, and Murray had backed himself into a corner where he had to get it out with the classic David Murray BS. I agree. Um, it, again, you know, we talk about bin fires. Uh, there was a mini bin fire brewing at Tynecastle, wasn't there? Despite yeah. you know a one hundred percent record, it was absolutely insane. I think everyone was looking at Hearts very closely that year, uh, and George Burley had done a fantastic job. Um, but it seemed that he may have said the wrong thing to the owner, and then that was it. Um, he would have. He looked like he might have been a, a very good replacement at that point. Um, somebody that knows the league very well. Um, but again. What happened? It was just such a. And something we're kind of used to it. Yeah, something definitely put him off because even in the summer when he's looking for a manager, Bully's not even mentioned. So there's something changed there because he had Bully lined up. I think he'd even got to the point where they were negotiating personal terms and something happened. But as we say, you're giving up. McLeish can up. McLeish, McLeish knows his days are numbered, so he's got this Villarreal game and then the season's a complete write off. So. They spend 400,000 Chris Boyd. We know what Chris Boyd goes on to do. Results do improve, but the writing's on the wall for McLeish after the, the 3-0 defeat at home to 
Hibs at Ibrox in the Scottish Cup oh, where he yeah. plays this 4-2-4 thing and I still to this day don't understand how what he was doing but he did it again at Aberdeen and then they lose again and that was it. 18 points behind Celtic, 8 points behind Hearts in second. The following day Murray announced that Alex would be leaving. And it just went so badly wrong and it was Murray was always hesitant to sack managers. Famously, he says Smith's going at the end of the season when in reality he told him that. It's he didn't just say he makes up the phantom job for Dak Advocate about moving upstairs. He gave, I think Murray deserves a bit of credit here because at least he gave him the courtesy of leading. He stuck to his word about leading them out for the Champions League game. Now, mm-hmm. David Murray is not getting much praise in this show, but McLeish deserved that opportunity. He'd, he'd worked wonders that in that European run to lead Rangers through, and obviously that Villarreal game, Rangers are so close to getting through. <sighs> it comes, Chris Boyd, Puts that oh, through he fresh aired it, didn't he? Yeah. Um, um... <laughs> oh, sorry, coughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, apologies. Uh, just I remember that. Yeah, that, that one big. If you're in business, um, you've got to make big calls. You've got to be able to stand up and sack someone. Nobody likes sacking people. You know, you're, you're putting a human being out of a job. Um, but Murray was never good at that. And I guess that's where you saw the human side to him a little bit rather than just this uh, PR figure. Um, but, you know, when you've got a board, you know, because I'm sure the boards were probably going, why is why is this still going on? Why is yeah. this still? Yes, he, he stuck to his word in the end, you know, give McLeish to the Champions League. But that Villarreal tie, considering, you know, we didn't exactly throw it away at Ibrox. It was no, a good it, was, it was a good game. Rangers gave, a, Rangers gave as good as they got. And I remember Raquel may have been outstanding oh, in that game. And you know yes. what I mean? It's just, you're playing against teams like that and you hold your own and come within so close to getting there. But that Villarreal away leg was a turning point for the club in terms of, obviously, the incident with the sectarian songs, with the Billy Boys. Now... We both agree, and we'll both agree that sectarian singing should never, ever be happening. It should be, Correct. we both agree, it should be wiped Correct. off the face of the earth. Rangers deserved the fine they did, and it was caught on camera. Prominent re- members of the media in Scotland, and there's a couple, obviously, that we've mentioned in this show already, including senior politicians, had sent evidence to UEFA that was to get this fine through. Now, this is so tough to touch on because you're worried you might say the wrong thing and things like that. Of course, yeah. But David Murray fed the fans to the wolves in that regard. What Murray should have come out and said was, we understand the sectarian singing is wrong. We will work with the fans. We'll get this thing through. We'll get the follow with pride thing through. We'll get everything sorted. No, he just let it happen. He just let the the the, the likes of Spears and... uh, who was the guy? Was it Finbar O'Brannigan or whatever his name was? Do you remember that? Like that that thing, like that whole nonsense. And that was again, it's just you're you're feeding the you're feeding these people who just want to hurt Rangers. And Rangers had obviously the sectarian singing could never be excused, and I, I totally agree with that. But Murray just it wasn't proactive. He just let he allowed the fans to be hounded by members of the media. And it's it's always been perceived that it's a one team problem. It isn't both Rangers and Celtic no. fans are guilty of it. Absolutely totally guilty agree. of it, but yep. Murray just didn't. It was don't say anything bad about me. You can you can attack the fans all you want, but leave me out of it, and that's exactly what happens here. 
I totally agree. This was a, a big turning point. Uh, I think a lot of the um, laws were changing, weren't they? Um, and things were being stamped out, and you know, understandably so. Um, you know, we are in the twenty first century. You know, things shouldn't be. You know, things shouldn't be said. You know, you know, very offensive sectarian things. Um, but it, it is a two way street, and the fact that the the press really got hold of this and really you know demonized um all rangers i didn't seem to be a yeah, collective that, it was that thing as well yeah it was like demonizing the whole support and that's mm. that's the better thing I, I throw murray at it was like if you're a rangers fan you're a you're a sectarian bigot and that's not true no no not small, at all there is a small portion that are and yeah. i don't think you'll ever change that but to to not come out and stick up for the fans that aren't mm. that, the fans like me and you that go to every yeah. game and work on best behaviour. And... I totally agree, because I remember going to a game, I think, I think it was this season. Um, yeah. Um, I think it was the game where we played, was it Dunfermline? Maybe it was the season before. Uh, no, it was this one. It was Dunfermline in March. Uh, we won 1-0. It was a, it wasn't a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was in the crowd, because I was in the club deck, um, and I did hear Billy Boys was starting, um, but then within like a minute, you could hear booing, turned yeah. out that it stopped. Um, and that was it for the whole game. That was it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but you could hear more booing than singing at that point. Yeah. Um, it was Murray was worried about this, the, the loss of income that stadium closures would bring if it, if it carried on, but it didn't. The supporters groups, like see, like people, like the supporters trust and things like that, they deserve so much credit for this because they got that through. They they did help and get that through, and I think they kind of stuck up for the fans a wee bit because because Murray opened the gates for the the fans to be hounded, as you say, you pointed out there. If you were a if you were a Rangers fan who wasn't who was on their best behaviour, you were put in the same bracket, and that's never ever been taken. That's never ever been properly. Mm. Halted because of Murray. Murray no, it hasn't. That happened. Murray I, that I, happened. And you've got people there who want to hurt. And that's I, the problem. I totally agree. I, I live in England. I've spoke to a few people um, before. What team do you support? Oh, Rangers. Oh, you're one of them bigots then. And it's that kind of, you and know, it, yeah. it's a label. And it's a label that Rangers fans have been given. And we have, you know, we have campaigns in the club now. Everyone, anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's obviously a, a follow-up on that. And that's obviously, yeah. it's... But you've still got this thing of as enough being done, and that's but that was my issue with that time is that mm. Rangers deserved the punishment they got, and the Billy Boys should never be sung. I hope I never hear songs like it again. But you're cut, you're making it all about Rangers when it isn't. You're making yeah, it, that's that's the issue here. And Murray let it happen because he didn't want him. Himself to be involved in that. Say feed the fans to the wolves, and that's the thing about the disconnect between the fans and the, the owners. You need that balance. You can't do that if you want to be a successful owner. So Murray deserves a lot of blame for that. The Rangers mm. fans, I think, have been a lot better in terms of. I think a lot of it's been eradicated. You still hear it here and there, but you hear it at Celtic games as well. So it's not a one club issue. But you need yeah. you need your owner to be more supportive for the fans. He 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 could have easily come out and said this is a minority issue. We will eradicate it. Instead, he just let let the media go after them, and I, I think that's unforgivable if you ask me. But they, they will close up the show. The 
the third place finish in the league, it was it ends badly for McLeish. Obviously, the it was a nice send off because he'd obviously, I think a lot of people respect McLeish for what he did. The the trophies he had won. It's the same as Adrika. I think. I think there's two halves of it. I think the first part is brilliant. The second half is not brilliant, and I think it's that thing. What's what outweighs the other? I agree. It was. Um... It really was a seesaw, wasn't it? You know, McLeish, when he came to Rangers, came in at a, you know, kind of difficult time, a transitional period, um, got something out of us. Then, obviously, the the treble season, fantastic. You know, you can name on one hand how many managers have won a treble. Uh, but to go from that to then nothing, to then, you know, then the last 16 of the Champions League and then winning it on the final day again, two helicopters Sundays when the pressure's on. Yeah. McLeish was a very good manager, very good manager. He proved that when he went, when he went to Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Um, and Scotland, his first bell at Scotland. And Scotland, yes, I completely yeah. agree. I completely agree. Um, I think he was thrown under the bus a little bit on the second spell, yeah. um, but there was a lot more problems there at the time. Um, it's I always have a, a fondness for Alex McLeish. Um, I do think he, he, he's a good man, a good manager. Um, it's just a shame the way it ended, but um, you know, any manager, I guess, leaving a club never ends well, does it? No, it doesn't. And it's it's one of those things. I think McLeish, I think a lot of people view him as a successful manager with a lot of unsuccessful times, but it was it was a fascinating period in Rangers history. On the next part of the Rangers journey, we will look at the spell, the short lived spell of Paul Le Guin. What happens when Rangers go to the European market again? Murray takes part in a project, entices Paul Le Guin to Ibrox, and as we know, it doesn't end well. But for this part of the Rangers journey, I want to thank Andrew Simpson for joining me. Andrew, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you very much to everyone that's tuned in, and please join us on the next part of the Rangers journey. <laughs>